everyone, and welcome. This is episode 315 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Network. I'm James, joined by a very busy Paul and uh, Ryan, who's not so busy because uh, it's an adult snow day for Ryan tomorrow. Yes. How are we celebrating? (laughs) I'm celebrating with a uh, Jameson Black that my uh, in-laws bought me for Christmas, so... There we go. <laughs> Very nice. If I'm a little wackier than usual by the end of this thing, that's uh, that's your explanation nope. right there. Looking well, forward to it. Just a the rain day it. down here in Chicago. So yeah, I'm not looking forward to trying to get across town because Madison's getting supposedly anywhere between like six inches and maybe a foot, and it's the wet, heavy crap, and it's going to be all day. It's not going to be any fun. So enjoy your day off, Ryan. You jerk. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> I'll take the, the right. spirit in which it was offered. Yeah, no worries. Uh, I mean, uh, not a lot to talk about Brewers-wise, but uh, some minor moves. We'll get to those questions, too. But uh, let's just kind of get rolling here. <laughs> uh, Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash tailgate. Two bucks a month. You get question priority both on this podcast and on reporting as eligible. That'll come in handy for the yeah, playoff-bound yeah. Packers. Uh, five bucks a month. You get that perk plus the additional exclusive content, the minor league extra with Ryan and James Anderson from Rotowire, as well as Paul's Packers mini pods, which I assume Paul are continuing into the playoffs now. Of course they are. Yes. As long as the Packers go, we will do the mini pods. There'll be teams to preview and things to get right. So, um, and I will say this, the mini pod this week was, was right in terms of being right. However, the bears were just not able to stop much of anything. So like the specific weaknesses that I pointed out were attacked, but so were a lot of other things because they were like missing the best cornerback. And um, Aaron Jones was the first running back to actually get 100 yards against him this year. Anyway, total domination. One of the weirdest games of all time, actually. Really, really yeah. fun one. Um, Yeah. So I heard and this is totally anecdotally. So don't quote me on this if this is wrong. But I heard that like the as soon as it became apparent, the Packers were going to be the Cowboys opponent. As soon as that was apparent, uh, ticket prices down there doubled. So apparently <laughs> Packers fans are going to be traveling in on uh, mass and excited, which I feel like maybe had waned a little bit over the past few years. So maybe this is a, a shot of reinvigoration for people. Maybe that, uh, they're enjoying it. The cheapest seat in Dallas right now is $259. Uh, you Ooh. can get standing room for one Oh five. I'm a, if memory serves standing room at Jerry world is kind of a tough nugget um, that, that it is a, like a big mob scene. So just keep that in mind if you're going, but uh, yeah, it should be good. A lot of traveling should be good. And, and hopefully just lots of good storylines in the NFC. At least you got Mike McCarthy against the Packers. You got Matt Stafford going back to Detroit. Uh, a lot of interesting storylines there, but yep, they're all uh, good. Yeah. Everybody but the Niners stinks. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I am eagerly awaiting reporting as eligible, Paul. I, I know you don't have enough to do this week, but just so you know. <laughs> It'll be good. It'll be good. All right. Uh, even if you're not a patron, go support us another way. Go follow us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you listen to us. Give a five-star review. While you're there, hit that subscribe or follow button as well. So as we mentioned at the top, kind of another week of fringe roster moves for the Brewers. Haven't really made uh, a significant splash unless you count, you know, the pre-Christmas trade for uh people i can't even remember anymore so uh you know it's been along the fringes very brewersy off season so far uh they did add to their capture depth though they signed austin nola uh aaron's worse brother who is a catcher to a minor (laughs) league deal uh worse and far less rich brother i should note uh he'll he'll provide some depth behind uh William Contreras and Eric Haas, who the Brewers also signed right before Christmas in a move that we missed last week. But like I said, super fringy backup catchers, not always the most exciting thing to talk about. But I guess let's let's start with this point of view. How much of these signings, these guys, are they just placeholders until Jefferson Carroll gets the majors, Ryan? Or, you know, what sort of timeline do you expect here with with that impending move? Yeah, I mean, they're giving themselves cushions so that they don't have to rush Caro up. They can go through a couple of options here as a backup catcher. So I don't think that there's any any pressure on them to get him up before he's ready. I think he'll kind of set that timeline himself by what he's doing in spring training and then in 
presumably triple A to start the season. So I think he will kind of determine that. But yeah, I if I had to bet, I think we see Carroll before the end of the year. I would, you know, if I had to set an over under on it right now, I would say end of June sounds pretty good to me in terms of a, a timeline when we would see him for the first time. Sure. I have nothing Paul. to add. I just feel like <laughs> um, I feel like with Caro, it's sort of going to be the standard timeline. Every once in a while, we'll get somebody who we we think maybe they'll press a little bit, maybe be earlier. Maybe there's a position open for them. Uh, none of those things are true with him. Their positions are generally pretty well stocked. And um, I think that this is it's the cup of coffee year, probably maybe a little earlier. That'd be my guess. But um and yeah. just to go into what depth charts on Fangraphs has to say about those two, they're projecting um, Eric Haas for uh, 141 plate appearances, Austin Nola for 51, and they're not showing Caro with any at the moment. Uh, oh. They're projecting Haas to be a better hitter, but really in kind of it, it's almost like a pick your flavor sort of situation. They have him with a 276 on base percentage and a 380 slugging, whereas they have Nola, who they're only projecting 51 plate appearances for, for a 318 on base percentage, but only a 353 slug. So, and both of them they think are below average defensively in terms of they have a negative fielding number on them. But you gotta think that the Brewers didn't pick them up with the intention that they would remain below average. So. Uh, that might be a kind of a, a determining factor as to which direction they go out of camp, because you certainly could see it maybe working out that they just straight up DFA Haas coming out of camp and go with Nola if he is kind of clearly the better option at that point. Uh, I, that wouldn't shock me at all, um, except that doing it the other way does maintain more depth. So maybe they would choose to go that way. But we don't know. Nola, if he has like an opt out or something, oftentimes guys who have his kind of track record when they sign minor league deals like this, they will have some sort of an opt out, you know, the classic one that's like May 15th or whatever to right. where the team has to either, you know, put them on the major league roster, sort of commit to them or uh, just let them go. Yeah. I mean, Haas did have a couple of solid seasons with the Tigers. He was, you know, typical uh, late bloomer for a catcher, but he hit 22 home runs in only 98 games for the Tigers in 2021. Uh, that was only good for a 103 OPS plus because his OBP was 286. Uh, but he also had 14 home runs in 2022. OBP of 305 that year. So OPS of one OPS plus of 112, but uh, kind of really fell back to earth uh last year uh was cut loose by the tigers appeared in three games with cleveland but yeah, yeah. kind of like your career backup journeyman type uh maybe he could run into one or one or two but yeah it's nola seems like the, the more name acquisition yeah that's really what this is this is the international brotherhood of backup catchers where it's yeah. literally just <laughs> run into one at one point and like that's if you do that offensively it's fine yep Absolutely. I, I listened. To, uh, I was driving a lot and whatnot this weekend. Um, I listened to a whole. I didn't listen to it. I flipped back and forth between uh, various shows, and there was an entire show on the White Sox acquisition of Martin Maldonado this weekend. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. Did they you know, talk yeah. about how bad his numbers had fallen off this year and how he was? No, no. They really were very bad. excited for his leadership and chemistry. And oh, stuff. Boy. oh, oh, Love boy. Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Backup All right, catchers, man. Though, yeah, you can be a backup catcher. You, uh, it's like being a long snapper in the NFL. You're just set for life, respect wise. Yeah, yeah. yeah Although and... Maldonado was the starter in Houston for like ever, yeah. despite that, the presence of a much play. better player the last yeah. year. Yeah, <laughs> Dusty just would not play. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? He's awesome. Anyway, uh, speaking of other minor moves this week, the Brewers sent their 20th round pick in last year's draft to the Dodgers for uh, lefty reliever Brian Hudson, who was, I believe, getting DFA'd. So a couple of questions about where uh, Mr. Hudson fits into the bullpen picture. So let's start with Jay Google on Patreon first. Asking, uh, with the Brewers trade for Hudson, is this just insurance in case Hobie Milner struggles, or could he be an everyday arm out of the bullpen? So, I mean, Paul, I feel like loogies, well, Hobie's not a loogie, but like left-handed relievers who yeah. throw light are kind of walking that tightrope, right, and can kind of blow up at any time. Yeah, um, I think he's probably loogie insurance, but maybe... The Maybe a slight gamble also. Um, the one thing about Brian Hudson is I'm not sure if he fits into the lineup very well, the rotation very well, or the 
bullpen really well. He also doesn't fit into most rooms very well. He is a, a giant person, and I think like <laughs> you can you you can maybe work some stuff in with giant guys to improve them a little bit. Like he doesn't throw super hard. He hasn't been particularly good. He's kind of old, um, but I, I do feel like if you uh, you can mess around with guys with huge extension, long arms, big tall frame. And fix some things to just hide the ball a little bit better and actually see better results out of them. I'm guessing that's the main reason that they went with him. Uh, the Lugie thing is just kind of a floor. It's not a great floor, honestly. <laughs> he, he, he might be bad. But uh, when you're working, you don't get 6'8 guys all the time. When you do, if you can you know, turn something around there, you might actually have a decent pitcher. So it's a gamble. It's I don't think a guy that I would count on being very productive this year. But I think it's probably a gamble worth taking. Why not? They're good at this kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's option fodder, too. He has two options left. So that's uh, yeah. the other thing is like he can be optioned up and down five times and that makes him worthy of a, a 40 man spot, though. There's some other things here. Rosiak wrote this up in the JS and noted that his uh, his strikeout stuff this year, he was up to um, almost 14 strikeouts per nine. And so hmm. that's pretty legitimate. And a lot of those were starts. Um, this was in so, so I'm sorry, 14 strikeouts per nine in triple A in triple A. Yeah, AAA, sorry, <laughs> I got ahead yes. of myself there. Um, he, yeah, so he had 86 strikeouts of 55 and two thirds innings in Oklahoma City. His his major league numbers last year were bad. I mean, 727 ERA, 185 whip. All of these things are quite bad. But, you know, the Brewers, this seems like the kind of thing where they would they would like to get a hold of this guy because you mentioned he was DFA'd by the Dodgers because they needed room for Yamamoto. So mm-hmm. that was that was for that move. And so there's there's some stuff here. Apparently his stuff is getting better and he's also a ground ball machine. So there's some stuff here that makes you think he could be better than just an up and down guy, a guy who who comes in to uh, soak up three junk innings and then go back down and not be heard from for another month. He could be a little bit better than that, but I, I would sort of bet that it's more, it's probably closer to that than it is, you know, Hobie Milner, miraculous, inexplicable, maybe some sort of witchcraft involved breakout going on. <laughs> like, I think it's it's closer right. to the former than the latter. Sure. Uh, Jay had a second part to his question here, uh, talking about the offense and, and Paul's favorite topic, first baseman. Uh, so <laughs> with, with rumors of Carlos Santana and the Brewers maybe getting back together, is there any other first baseman option you would want? Brandon Belt, uh, Gio Urshela, CJ Cron, uh, Garrett Cooper, Walsh, Dominic Smith, any of those names do anything for you, Paul? I've never wanted Dominic Smith. I don't know why. Um, I've wanted CJ Cron so long that I assume he's now very old, and my googling yes. just confirmed that is the case. <laughs> um, he he uh, he doesn't really get on base anymore. Anyway, I, I, long story short, here I actually think Santana's probably the best option of those guys, and if not the best, um, it, it's so marginal as to not matter. Like you may as well have his clubhouse presence and defensive chops, and um, you're you're likely you're just as likely to get an offensive little tiny spike out of him than you are from any of these guys on that list for sure so um, i'm pro santana i am also i think we have to recognize though that there is he's at that age and he's going to be going into his what 30 age 38 season at oh, this yeah. point yeah, yeah you, like you're, you're paying old man first all, all of these are old men first baseman i think yeah. aren't they um, um so urshela might still be urshela, closer to yeah, 30 he, dominic smith kinda... is definitely only in his late 20s so yeah but he seems like he's like 50 years old um yeah there's that <laughs> Gio Urshel... we've been talking about dominic smith for a decade that's yeah why, so yeah it, i know Urshel is bad though isn't he uh, i didn't google he him he hasn't I... been good lately as far as i remember he's <laughs> bounced around post yankees he, he had that weird sort oh, of yeah, out he had of a couple nowhere. Good yankee seasons a little bit one's a COVID year though that doesn't count so um... yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, there's collapse potential in Santana. The, at some point, sure. he's just not going to be good anymore. But I think he's not going to be commanding the amount of money that that would really like scare you away. Um, yeah. So there's I, collapse potential on anyone the Brewers might conceivably sign to play first base. So that's true. Uh, though he doesn't mention the guy that I still want, and the longer this goes on, where he doesn't end up on the Cubs, I start to think maybe, just maybe they have a real shot at Reese Hoskins on like a two-year deal, maybe a three-year deal, uh, something along those lines. I don't know why the Cubs themselves wouldn't do it, but 
he's just kind of hanging out there. Everybody thought there were rumors about him going to the Cubs at the winter meetings, and that's, you know, a month <laughs> ago now. So, yeah, I don't know what's holding that up, but I that would be a, a really nice move. That is that is the kind of move that actually has an, a potential for real impact because Reese Hoskins at his best is way better than anybody else on this yeah, list. So that that's, is true. that's like a real shot at impact. The question kind of becomes, one, would he want to come here? And that's always tricky. And two, yeah. uh, like, what is it going to take years-wise? And how much risk do you have to absorb down the road? Because they might have some internal solutions at first base coming relatively soon themselves. So it 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 leaves open questions. Sure. Maybe as we get closer to February, you're you're crossing your fingers for like a one year pillow contract, right? And that would kind of work for all parties involved there. I but mean, yeah, I, I would I throw know. a parade for that. Like that's sure. <laughs> that's, a, that's an excellent, excellent outcome if you can get him or anybody really on a, a one year pillow contract like that. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I will say uh, Jared Walsh was born in Brookfield, so there's your Owen Miller edition of the year. Yeah, uh, He was an all-star. Uh, he was. As, as a late bloomer in 2021, 27-year-old who hit 29 home runs, and then he kind of fell off the face of the earth and was DFA'd. I, I feel like there were some extenuating circumstances there, so I won't be too mean about it, but uh, that that would be a definitely a buy-low thing, but he's also 30 now, uh, to Paul's old point, but... Hey, maybe a minor league option for the hometown kid. Yeah, last year in 104 at-bats, he had a slugging of 279. Yikes, that makes Rowdy look like he was, you know, pounding out of yeah. the park last year. That's, <laughs> But, I mean, it's also 104 at-bats, and yeah, yeah, I don't know how much you want to read into that. But, yeah, he uh, his numbers last year were whew, a uh, 125 batting average. Wow. Yeah, it, it wow. sounds like it's in a, a thing where he just – totally lost um all confidence in himself struggle with some depression because of that so that took some rebuilding there uh to even just get back to the majors but uh hey like i said brookfield kid could be an option uh brad westness our next question this week asking assuming the brewers are going to try to give quote unquote the freshman a go this year and if they bring back santana at first base what would you say the biggest remaining areas of need that they might have to address with trades or free agency are? Uh, Paul, let's start with you on this one. Uh, so th- it makes it a hard question when you assume first base is covered because that's the answer. Right. Um, yeah. I-, I guess you could still maybe use a little bit of help at the other corner. Um, but outfield is obviously you know, kind of spoken for at this point. Shortstop mm-hmm. is obviously spoken for at this point. Um, I, I mean, maybe second base too, but I feel like you got guys to play there, but I, I like third base is the place you can, I, I think still add some pop that that's really it. But like pitching wise, I think they're probably where they're going to, going to end up. Um, and they're good there. They're good at catcher. Um, it's corner. It's always the, it's always the corners for the Brewers. So, third base, second base, in that order, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it's somebody who hits dingers. That's yeah. It's that really, really just wherever it, they fit. Yeah. Somebody who has some pop. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you could conceivably fit them in at first base. You know, we've talked about that. And I think if you look at the depth charts, uh, yeah, the Fangraphs has them with uh, um, getting point three WAR out of their first baseman this year. Uh, as it stands Eesh. at the moment, so that you could, could do definitely, that. Yeah, yeah, that could be standard upgrade for sure. But beyond that, uh, yeah, I mean, you could you could potentially fit some power in at third base and at DH. Don't forget about DH. Like, oh yeah, that is you also a possibility. Yeah, you have some you have some wiggle room there. So yeah, I mean, really, the the need here is power. They need guys who can hit in the middle of the order, lengthen this lineup out a bit, and push, you know, Jackson Churio out of the middle of the order until he, you know, it like establishes. Yes, I should be hitting in the middle of the order. You'd like to not put that on him, right? All right, uh, Elvis Pagero enthusiast, kind of along that line, asking: We've had the discussions about the Brewers' infamous first base round robin, but are there any decent third base options on the market that would be upgrades from Monasterio or Owen Miller? 
Tyler Black is coming, but if the Jake Bowers experiment fails, it's hard for a competing team to overcome the offensive gaps of the corner infield. So as you were saying, Paul, corner's always the issue for the Brewers. There's Any always, third baseman out there. That there's always help. Brian Anderson. He's available. And uh, <laughs> can step right in. No. Couch um, is gone. Yeah. Uh, like, it, 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 like, free agency is always tough. Like, uh, like, one of the top guys on, like, the MLB free agent chart is is Josh Donaldson, who, you know, we just had around and <laughs> exactly. Um, so I like, do you want to go back and get Eduardo Escobar again? He's fun. Um, but old is all get out. Um, I like Justin Turner, I guess maybe, I don't, it's not a great group. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, not. It's like, yeah, Justin Turner, who we've, you know. He's like 40, isn't he? <laughs> I think yeah, since we've close. been doing this podcast together, we've all been like, oh, Justin Turner could make sense at third base for this team. I think we've <laughs> done that literally every winter. And Like ever since I started like in CJ Cron, he's been discussed that way. And that was forever ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, Matt Chapman is obviously the big guy out there, but last I heard, and I can't imagine they're still on this number, they were asking for 6150. So I don't think they're going to get yeah. close to that, but uh, that the seems Dodgers like it's... still have some time. Yeah, yeah, the Dodgers, the Dodgers still have time. Uh, so I but... just pulled up the list. So many of these guys have been Brewers already. Yeah, like, all the of problem. them have been Brewers already. We've it's, tried that. It's yeah. Josh Donaldson, Eduardo Escobar, Brian Anderson, Gene Segura, um, <laughs> uh, Mike Mustakis. Mm-hmm. Like it, everybody on the list was already on the team. We've already done this. Yeah, I, Evan Longoria. That he uh, no. he robbed our season with his uh, spectacular yeah, defensive wizardry God. in uh, in game one last year. So maybe we get him and you know, try to co opt that. Urshela is a guy that's on here, but I think I don't know that you want any of these guys playing first base. And obviously, the thing still here is that Tyler Black is probably the guy. Even though I have questions, James Anderson has has questions about the efficacy of the arm to play third base at a high level I, yeah. I don't know that it's necessarily there but I also am not sure where else he fits uh, second base he seems like he would be a defensive liability especially compared to Bryce Terang but and then first base you know obviously he doesn't have the prototypical power of a first baseman but you feel like Tyler Black is going to get you know barring just a, an absolutely catastrophic start to his his career uh, in the big leagues this year, I feel like he's going to be up early and be up a lot and play a lot someplace. So I guess if I had to pick a position, I think it's more likely he sees playing time at this year than any other. It's yeah. third base. Um, Even if I have this, questions, this might be a stupid question. Um, is Joey Gallo to Chris Davis to play first base? <laughs> Joey Gallo is actually a pretty decent outfielder. Yeah, he was a decent defender, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. I just he's think, got a I good think of him arm as a big lug because of how he hits, but maybe he's better than I think. Um, he moves well just, enough and has a huge arm. All right. I was just perusing other guys who hit dingers, and he jumped <laughs> out as pretty cheap and not too old. Yeah, you're like me in OOTP, just sort by power. I am. That is correctly. That is, <laughs> that is exactly what I did. And I was like, oh, hey, Joey Gallo. Nobody's, nobody's got him. Okay. Yeah, Here I mean, go. if they wanted to go for somebody who's just like a pure DH – who can hit dingers and has really done a good job of it the last few years, kind of quietly because he's been in some weird places. Uh, Jorge Soler is a guy that's out there yeah. and could potentially be a, a masher in the middle of your order, but he's basically a pure DH at this point, and that would that would really lock that position down. And I think especially with the glut of outfielders they have mm-hmm. and Christian Yelich, it's like uh, they want to probably keep that flexibility open and giving it... Heh. An everyday acquiring an everyday DH like that. The DH list is just as hilarious as the third base list is in terms of these people have already all been Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> there are a few. McCutcheon, Vol- it's McCutcheon, Vogelbach, Winker, Ruff, Nelson Cruz, Brad Miller. Oh, they don't have JD Martinez on there because he's he's available. JD Martinez is also on there, but he was not a Brewer. He was not a Brewer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Not Fair yet. Enough. Not yet. <laughs> so the only one, the only people on the designated hitter list who were not Brewers are J.D. Martinez, Shohei Otani, and Tommy Listella. That's it. The rest of the DH free agent class have all already been on the team. That's amazing. I love that. 
Uh, all right. We're talking a little bit about a lot of young guys maybe holding down some of those spots. Kevin Stern is asking or saying, I'm concerned about this young hitting group taking a step forward in 2024 after what happened with Keston Hira. The Brewers under Stearns and Arnold don't have the best track record of developing hitters. Why do you think this group will buck the trend? Uh, but I guess maybe, Paul, we should start with... Uh, will they, <laughs> you know, uh, I was laughing because I don't think there's a, a lot of evidence to support the notion that they will buck the trend. Um, it's been a problem. And until we see the organization buck the trend a little bit, I don't think there is reason to think that they will because, like, it's been a big issue. Everybody who comes up seems to regress. Um, guys who were good momentarily, like Keston here seem to go back. Willie Adamas gave us a flash and then he went back again. Uh, in the pro level, um, and we haven't developed a bat in forever. Maybe Jackson Churia will be the exception to that. But again, until he actually hits major league pitching, that's all just speculation. So uh, I will kind of be in the skeptic zone until that happens. Uh, like we, they'll keep flaming out. I'm worried about the offense. I'm legitimately worried about the offense. Um, a lot of the current young talent on the team is based on their defensive floor far more than their offensive profile. Like even Frelick is like. Um, I think he's been the best hitter so far of them up at the big league level, but that's not much. He just is a slap hitter. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to give you false confidence. I don't think there is reason to be that optimistic, to be perfectly frank. Okay. So I obviously am a lot more optimistic about it than that. Yeah. I'll bet you are like it's so there's been change over time here this is not the same organization that like developed up the the minor league hitting coordinators coaches all these people are not the same people that were working with Jackson Churia I mean I'm sure there's been some uh retaining here there there've been some people that have been held over but there's also been a lot of turnover so I think that this is an ongoing evolution uh the thing with with Hira it will always flummox me, and this is something that goes back like a very long time. Wondering about who, who talked him into becoming a swing for the fences power hitter, as opposed to the sort of all around uh, gap to gap uh, full field hitter that he was in college, and he was at least initially in the minor leagues, because he went through a, a significant swing transformation there, and the fact that he never kind of went back on it despite all these years and all this these different talks and he went and talked to like his his college hitting coach I think even his high school hitting coach it seemed like he was talking to everybody about whatever about get, trying to get back to something like that and it never happened you wonder exactly where that came from and how that that process unfolded to begin with it's a it's definitely a strange thing you don't see many things like that where it that just happened but uh I think that like looking forward, you have to just sort of look at the breadth and the, the fact that they have sort of a different uh, assortment of guys here. They have people with different sorts of skill sets than we've maybe seen in the past. You go from like Sal Freilich is a very different hitter than, say, like what Keston here is. He's maybe something like what Keston here is if he doesn't make the swing change and try to become, you know, a power hitter. And so you wonder about like what exactly his path is going to be. And it really, I don't think we've had any guys who've really transformed into from non-power hitters into power hitters the way that Hira did. So exactly where that came from within the organization or from outside the organization, I have no idea, but I, I think that's probably more of an exception than it is anything else. But the, the simple fact is you're right. They've had this long drought where Really, other than Trent Grisham and Keston Hira, they weren't putting top hitting prospects even into the majors. And those guys have both had checkered to very, very checkered in Hira's case, big league careers, yeah. right? Like they haven't, they have not turned into the hitters that at various points it looked like they were going to be. So I think there's that. And there's also just, there's so many guys here. You have so many different people that, uh, and and so many different approaches and so many we were talking about that before so many different ways of potentially doing it that I feel like it would be it would be pretty shocking if none of these guys if everybody sort of fizzled at this point that would be that would be far more uh, surprising than if you know say 
four or five of them turned into you know pretty decent big leaguers who you know were were solid uh, major league big or big league hitters. Considering we've got what seven eight of them now that you can legitimately say have been developed up. If you include people like Wilkin, who are you know fast approaching as well. Sure. I mean, we kind of talked about at least in the episodes around the draft trying to diversify at least the profiles a little bit uh, just to kind of maybe if not super intentionally, at least give yourself a shot at, you know, (laughs) a different kind of, of success for a couple of different guys there. So, um, and it's also too, yeah, you mentioned, I I know JR was uh, one on the journal Sentinel podcast fond of saying that almost all the brewers offensive war (laughs) from whatever the last decade or whatever was Keston Hira and Trent Grisham, maybe Tyrone Taylor too. I want to throw that one in mm-hmm. there, but Tyrone, I, yep. I mean, yeah, though, if those are the, the major league hitters to hang your hat on, obviously that's frustrating, but also like they ha- just haven't been drafting super well either. The minor league system wasn't highly ranked for a bit there. Like I, I feel like it, it's, apples and oranges to some extent ryan yeah and there's also just the thing that like these things are lagging indicators you would have said well into the time when the brewers had already become a a really good pitching development team that they were a terrible pitching development team because we hadn't seen corbin burns josh Hader, um, brandon woodruff freddie peralta devin williams you know adrian like at all we hadn't seen those guys break out yet, so well past the point that they had actually really turned it around and were becoming quite good at it, it wasn't apparent. Uh, and I think it wasn't really until, what, like almost 2020 that people would have said, oh, yeah, the Brewers are really good at developing pitching now, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Whereas the reality was that had shifted at least five years earlier because they were already pretty consistently doing it. We just didn't have the proof of it at the big league level. So the lagging indicator thing, this is the hardest thing about doing prospect evaluation and trying to, you know, understand how a team is doing at developing players is that it's such a lag. You have to wait. You have to be patient. You can't evaluate things. Like remember the jokes that we were making for the last like four or five years about the Grisham trade. It's like, Oh, the Brewers got hosed in the Grisham trade. Oh, the Brewers completely dominated the Grisham trade. And then it would flip back and forth and back and forth. It takes a long time for all this to get sorted out just because it takes a long time for baseball players to kind of show uh, like who they are and to develop into what they're going to be. And then to develop enough of a sample where you feel like, okay, I can say what this player was. Absolutely. I guess speaking of uh, hitter development specifically, Bernie's mustache has our next question on Patreon uh, asking, what do we know about the hire of Louisa Gauchi and what were what? Will her role be in the organization, Ryan? Yeah, so uh, she is uh, was just hired as a minor league hitting coach. And so she will be uh, presumably coaching with one of the affiliates. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but I would assume so, unless she's some sort of roving instructor who's going to move around from team to team. But that wasn't indicated in any way. It sounds like she's, she's just going to be you know on the staff of one of the affiliates. Um, she's a very interesting person. Uh, she is, first of all, she's Australian and has that background. So that's pretty unique. Uh, yep. You know, beyond the fact Indeed. that she is a woman, she's also Australian. And that's not like, it's not like unheard of territory for baseball players to come out of, but it's also, you know, not exactly a baseball hotbed. It's, you know, it's fairly rare that people come out of there. Um, she's also a, a former driveliner. So there you go. Like, that's, yeah. Interesting as well. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Paul. Oh, um, I, I mean, I think everybody who listens to this podcast is probably at least familiar with Driveline and, you know, the general development philosophies taught there, how it's been a giant influence on baseball pitching development, you know, as a whole. Um, and I think it's it's good to see the Brewers, uh, first of all, tapping independent resources for coaching hires. Like Driveline is not affiliated with anybody in particular. And it's good that you're scouting places like Driveline for talent. Um, and it has proven to be a really good pipeline for coaches as well. Yeah, and it we talked about this as we were warming up here, uh, that it shows they're really casting a wide net. Yeah. Um, that is not the prototype of, 
you know, somebody who uh, this is not the type of person who usually gets a job working and coaching in baseball. Uh, this is an unorthodox thing. And it's good to see them doing that and casting that kind of a wide net. And we should also note, this is not the first woman that the Brewers have hired to be in their coaching ranks. Um, Sarah right. Goodrum was actually considerably up the, the ladder here of where um, oh, yeah. uh, Louise is going to be coming in. Um, she was the uh, was she the director of hitting, right? Can't even read yeah. my own writing here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she was the minor yeah, league hitting coordinator. Minor league hitting coordinator. Yes. coordinator yeah. yeah, she was a minor league hitting coordinator, and she would have been the minor league hitting coordinator while the Brewers had a bunch of these current hitters going through. And she was apparently so good at her job and was doing so well, she got plucked by the Houston Astros to be their director of player development, which that's a big deal. That is that's inner circle uh, front office type stuff. That's a that's a very, very big deal. So she must have really done some good things. Uh, and I think we've seen that in terms of the Brewers, this current generation of guys being developed up and turning into top prospects. Right. Like that wasn't happening the Brewers, guys like Corey Ray were only ever top prospects because they were um, because they had the draft pedigree. Right. That's why they got on those lists, whereas this group of guys are getting and moving on to lists because of producing in the minor leagues, you know, starting with Garrett Mitchell, Sal Freilich, Bryce Trang, any of these guys, they're getting onto these lists and moving up in estimation because of how they produced at the minor league level. So that's also another another difference to sort of go back to the previous discussion. Yeah. PJ Wessels next up asking, uh, is the Seattle front office playing out of the park baseball <laughs> with the way they make trades and move players around? Do the Cubs know now is the time to make transactions? Well, there are things we think the Brewers need to address. Do you like the Brewers amount of activity more or less than the Cubs or Mariners? So uh, two drastically different, uh, approaches so far if you look at Seattle and the Cubs obviously uh, the Cubs for a long time I'm not quite sure if it's still the case we're the only team to not mm -hmm. sign a major league free agent mm -hmm. uh, Seattle meanwhile Jerry Depote is a madman just woke up earlier this week and decided yeah I'll uh, just trade Robbie Ray for uh, what was it Anthony DiScalfani and uh, Mitch Haneker straight up <laughs> uh, sure why not all MLB trade. We don't see that often, you know? It, yeah. So I, I guess between those two approaches, Paul, which, which would you prefer? Do we like the <laughs> Brewers better than either of those? Uh, um, there, I wish that the Brewers were more active in getting bigger name free agents than they tend to get. And they get big guys sometimes, but even they get guys like Grendel, which good signing. It's usually just because they're like waiting out to try and increase their value. They're never long-term. They're, they're guys who have a quick stopover. Um, but I, between the two of them, I like what the Brewers do best, which is uh, they're always working like the Brewers. None of the Brewers signings have been particularly, you know, eye opening or that big of a deal. But it shows that they're always churning and looking for value and actually actively engaged in the prospect of running a baseball team. I don't know what the Cubs are doing. Um, the the one thing I could Seattle just seems uh, maybe they're geniuses uh, and making a bunch of great moves that are going to work out. But um, I haven't I haven't looked at them that closely enough to tell you for sure. But they seem a little reactionary to me. But the Cubs just seem like they're not doing anything. Like they're not actively engaged in any level of free agency. And it's not like the Cubs are this like juggernaut that doesn't have depth that needs filling in. Like they should be at least doing minor deals to plug minor holes that they have, let alone be in the in play for trading for large pieces or paying for large pieces. They have a lot of money. They can do all that like, stuff. Yeah. So like Co Cody Bellinger's just sitting out there like, right. hey, I want to be a cub and they're like give yeah. me money uh, yeah like yeah well scott boris is <laughs> what are you doing is waiting like scott boris says yeah it's gonna cost you so uh, that's fine but you're the cubs you can look at alternatives and like start bidding wars and have rumors going out there of like eh, they might not be into bellinger because they're in it somebody else who's like bellinger like you can do stuff like that and it's just radio silence out of here like it, it's it's frankly weird which may be what they were trying to do with the reese hoskins things hopefully they're not actually interested in reese hoskins and we could swoop in on that that's kind of my my dream but i still fear that the cubs are going to get that i was also kind of interested in sean Manea, um until he signed with who grabbed him for a two-year deal 
the Mets. Was it the Mets? Oh, yeah, that I, makes yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is the, the Cubs situation is bizarre and they really haven't done anything. And just to go back to the Fangraphs depth charts, uh, team war uh, leaderboard right now, they have the Brewers down in between the Red Sox and the Giants at 35.5 war. Uh, but they have the Cubs below us at 34.2. Um, and they actually have and this is kind of a this is a, a standard Zimborski thing. He always likes the Cardinals um, more than most systems do. <laughs> he has the Cardinals at 42.3 war. So significantly ahead of either of the Brewers or the um, or the Cubs at this point. But I think both the Brewers and Cubs have moves they're going to make. And I think a big part of why I feel good about this. I don't know if you saw me tweeting about this. Uh, I think it was over the weekend. Maybe it was a little bit before that about the fact that uh, we're at the halfway point of the free agent market right now. Um, if you look, I think as of today now, you basically have half of uh, MLB trade rumors. Top 50 free agents have signed. Sure. And if you look at the top 10, it was half of the top 10 were still available. Half of the top 20 were still available. Half of the top 30 were. I think that's now changed. But. I mean, it was it wasn't just like the the dregs at the bottom were the things left over. There's a lot of guys up and down that list who are still available, which I think is why ultimately, unfortunately, I think the Cubs are going to go out and get their guys. They're going to go out and make multiple signings and, and get guys. But I think the Brewers are also going to make a, a legitimate move or two here. Uh, as we get later in the market, because these are, as Paul was talking about the grand all thing, remember the time of year that happened that was into like February. Right. And that's when the, the Stearns Arnold front office type likes to strike on free agents is late in the market when that guy has sort of run out of options and they're running low and they start getting more willing to do pillow contracts and things like that. I think the brewers are going to have some opportunities like that. I think, in fact, part of the reason I'm still optimistic about Hoskins is because the fact they haven't signed Carlos Santana yet means, I think, that they're still trying to keep their options open because maybe there's better alternatives out there, other ways that they might want to go. And hopefully that's Reese Hoskins. But I'm probably just getting my hopes up for no reason. <laughs> maybe. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I don't know. I feel like you could just have both. I don't know. Uh, cheese. Cavaricci, I like that name. Jeez Cavaricci is asking, uh, who's on the hook for paying Brandon Woodruff's medical care and rehab since he was a brewer when he got hurt? Is it Milwaukee? Is it MLB? Is it the MLBPA? If it's Milwaukee, is there any possibility any team medical personnel have contact with him or are in any way part of that care and rehab regimen? So uh, Ryan, obviously kind of a unique scenario in that Woodruff is technically a free agent, but I, I guess how does this scenario work? Yeah, I, my understanding is in the NFL, they have things called uh, like injury settlements where guys who get hurt and are getting released by the team sign some sort of injury settlement. Is that correct, Paul? That is correct. Yes. OK, this is I believe I'm not 100 percent sure, but I, I was trying to kind of read up on this a little bit because he's under he he was under MLB control when this happened. You know, this is a result of a playing injury that he sustained, you know, during the regular season of, a you know, and he is an established big league player. Um, this is covered by his insurance, by the, the, the games insurance that they have. And. The question more comes down to like he would have had his pick of doctors. He could go to the, you know, the Brewers medical team. He could get a second opinion and go elsewhere. That's all very standard. Guys will often go with the Brewers. They'll go with the, the team doctor for the Brewers for surgery. Sometimes they'll go to a different specialist, you know, guys like Dr. Neil Elitrosh. I'm not actually sure who he went to for his surgery. I couldn't find that information. There's kind of been radio silence on that. But um, yeah. Now, the big question here is, and this was one of the speculation points, was does he like the Brewers training and medical staff? Because if he does, that could be an incentive for him to sign back with them so that he could do his rehab with the Brewers, right? He could go and do his workouts and things at their Arizona complex with people he's familiar with, people he's been around for a while, you know, in a place that's comfortable to him. Um, mm -hmm. I believe I'm, I'm almost positive this is, if if he is not under contract to a team, he's not going to go and rehab with those people unless they also have like private 
a business on the side, like in their capacity as a team employee, he wouldn't be working with them. So he would have to do his rehab and all of that outside of the confines of like who the brewers have, unless he re-signed back with them. And then that could potentially happen. So I don't know if that helps, but that's the best that I could tell on this stuff is that by virtue of the fact that he's no longer under club control, he's no longer under contract with the club. um, He's sort of a free agent for his rehab at this point too. And, but that is covered by, you know, their medical, the medical plans and things that the, the insurance, the health insurance that MLB players have right. would yeah. cover all of this sort of stuff. So it's not like he is personally out of pocket on the hook for it is what I'm saying. Right. All right. Last question this week uh, comes from Ian Pomplin, and this is my favorite question. So uh, the new movie Night Swim is apparently about a fr- former Brewers pitcher who buys a house with a haunted pool. Uh, which player, past or present, do you think is most likely to buy a house with a haunted pool? So uh, I, my first question to Ryan when I saw this was, is this seriously a former brewer in the movie? And I had to look up the synopsis, and uh, I believe it actually is. Uh, let me pull it up here. It, it doesn't mention the brewers specifically in the synopsis, but it says, forced into early retirement by a degenerative illness former baseball player ray waller moves into a new house with his wife and two children he hopes that the backyard swimming pool will be fun for the kids and provide physical therapy for himself however a dark secret from the home's past soon unleashes a malevolent force that drags the family into the depths of inescapable terror so uh, (laughs) i guess uh Former Brewers, past or present, who's most likely trying to buy a haunted house pool situation? So before we go into that, can I just say that, like, what was what was the last line of that that uh, drags them into an inescapable? What was the line? Yes. Uh, the dark secret from the home's past soon unleashes a malevolent force that drags the family into the depths of inescapable terror. Yeah. So it's a haunted pool, right? So I'd probably not go yes. swimming. It, it's like, basically it, it's it in a pool. Yes. Yeah. So I would I would choose not to go swimming then. If if I yeah. bought a house with a haunted pool, I just you know wouldn't go into the pool. But um, your physical therapy, Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> the physical therapy. How um, are you ever going to get back to the majors? Yeah, I I I don't know. So like, what are we? What's the criteria here that we're using? Are we looking for like people who can do a good scream, who can who can look like they're under like terror, like? Uh, sure, Brent Suter. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He has he has plastic face. Like he could he could ham it up and and do that sort of thing. So he could he could do that. Though I, I think you know he's a smart guy. And he'd probably also just choose not to go into the swimming pool. Yeah, yeah. There's that. I mean, I I recall that uh, former Brewers prospect uh, Ernan Irabarin was uh, actually practicing witchcraft for a minute there. Um, and this is actually profiled in, in the Cincinnati Inquirer when he was signed as a 17-year-old out of Venezuela by the Brewers. They sent him to the Dominican and got a name of a shady person on a piece of paper saying, hey, go see this guy. He'll help you out. And he got him into a bunch of like witchcraft and voodoo rituals that he actually practiced for a while. So, you know. That stuff will open you up to all sorts of weird, terrifying things in the movies. So maybe that I don't know, Paul. Who do you have? You guys thinking about this? All wrong. Just all wrong. The, okay. the guy, the guy who practices witchcraft, and uh, whether Hernan did that or not, that's not the guy who ends up with the haunted pool. The guy who ends up with the haunted pool is the guy who is going to be actually like put through the ringer by the haunted pool. This is this yeah is movie. So yeah. it's it's that's what the first way to think of it is that. So that's Gabe Gross, obviously. And um <laughs> why is it Gabe Gross? <laughs> so that is a deep cut, Paul. Yeah. Uh it, it, Gabe Gross of course famously had the Christian rock walk up theme and so <laughs> would be the most uh put out by having a haunted pool. Okay. Um, so that's number one. The other one is what pool is most likely to be haunted in Milwaukee? And um, that is obviously Liberace's, I would imagine. So uh, <laughs> when the question becomes, 
Which former, which former brewer would be most likely to have purchased Liberace's former house? I think you can go a lot of different ways with that. It seems like kind of a Ryan Braun place to me. It's a little Miami. It's a little, um, you know, it, it's out there. I feel like he could pull that off. So that's a good one, too. But uh, one of those two, I think, is, is my answer. Oh, Does man. Liberace have a house in Milwaukee that you can, like, go drive by and go, oh, yeah, that's where Liberace, because he was born in West Dallas, right? He's a, yes. he's a Milwaukee suburban so guy. I'm, I'm, this is a good probably JR question for Milwaukee Historia. I thought he had a place on Lake Drive um, at some point um, uh, over on the east side. I could be wrong. It might not be true. I feel like when I was growing up, every celebrity who was tangentially related to the city allegedly had a house over there maybe it's not true but i thought he did <laughs> okay i i need uh you guys to research this and make this the intro to reporting as eligible i need to find this out <laughs> so thank you um, all right yeah i, I, I found at liberace's former house in lake arrowhead california yeah maybe um, that's yeah, how it gets no. crossed up yeah and it it that looks like what would be liberace's house oh, yeah like <laughs> i'm looking at it yeah it, it seems to fit yeah, I don't know, man. I, I was like, oh, I don't know. I went to the Fister the other weekend. Maybe that pool's haunted. I don't know. It seemed too new, though. It was on the, the one of the top floors. So, you know, no. I don't think Charles was hanging out there. No, the haunted pool in Milwaukee is over at the Rave in the basement. So in the, the Eagles Club, their old pool in the basement, that thing is like on lists, like national lists of haunted oh, really? places. Like, yeah, if you come to Milwaukee, like that place is really haunted. The MSOE library, for some reason, is supposedly haunted. And the Eagles Club swimming pool is like the third one that uh, has hauntings that people talk about. Yeah. The notoriously haunted places in Milwaukee. All right. Well, if if you have any other possible haunted pools in Milwaukee, let us know. That'll do it for questions this week. Real quick, Ryan, we got a couple new patrons to shout out who we have joining us. Well, we have uh, Adrian Suarez, who is definitely a real person and who we can like confirm and uh, feel good about the fact that uh, Adrian Suarez is uh, um, is a patron. Thank you, Adrian. We appreciate that. Thank uh, you. And then shouts to uh, AB1Supply.com, um, who's either using <laughs> us for, I don't know, Not free, an ad. free advertising. We Googled it and tried to, uh, James and I, before Paul joined us here, Googled it, and it seemed a little you sketchy. You Googled it. Yeah, I Googled I it, not. and it seemed a little yeah. sketchy, like uh, there's perhaps some, <laughs> some weirdness going on here. But you know what? They paid their five bucks, and if they quit now... Um, we still got their five bucks, so yeah. that's that's fine. Like you know, we're, I'm not above that. We'll we'll take your five bucks. ab one supplycom and uh, yeah, uh, please don't anybody like yeah, please please don't anybody get like ripped off. That would no. I would feel very bad about no. that. Please don't. No. Please don't give them Let's your credit card this, number. Keep this mutually beneficial for now. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and leave it there. All right. Well, thanks for signing up. A reminder, patrons get question priority at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Uh, send a question there for this show for reporting as eligible as the guys preview the Packers playoff uh, matchup against the Cowboys. Hopefully get a win or two in there uh, before running into the 49ers. We'll see what happens. Uh, but that'll do it for this week thanks for the questions everyone stay well we will be back here next time on Milwaukee's tailgate hopefully uh, with something more than backup catchers to talk